<laughs> Andy, uh, we are on number four now. Yes. It's an unseasonably beautiful day outside. Indeed it is. I drove over here today blasting Michael Bolton's Everybody's Crazy on repeat because I was getting pumped about the movie we're talking mm-hmm, about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a Pantheon movie <laughs> in my impression. This is probably top five for me. Okay. Uh, different from a lot of the other movies we've talked about mm-hmm. that we can appreciate for its flaws and that we can enjoy in their relative shittiness that makes it awesome. This movie is executed flawlessly. Indeed it is. We have nothing to make fun of for it. We just appreciate all of its greatness. So would you like to tell us what we are talking about today? Absolutely. So this movie came out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with some, some highlights here. Okay. <laughs> so this movie came out in 1986. Its budget was $11 million. Okay. On its opening weekend, it made $9.3 million. Okay. It it's almost good. earned its money back on it's the opening showing. weekend. Its gross USA dollar amount is $91 million. Oh, my God. Because we're talking about back to school. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's about 10 times better than over the top. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. So <laughs> I just, I, I'm blown away by the... Uh, the box office stats. That's a heavy hitter right there. That's a, blo- the, that's a blockbuster. Is this the first commercial success we're yes, talking about? I, it's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. Well, rightfully so. It's earned it because this movie is amazing. It is. You know, we've been talking about doing this one for probably about two or three weeks, and we've been busy, and then now we're finally able to do it. But it's kind of just been in the air as we've talked to people about things they might want to hear us talk about. And we were already kind of thinking about this, and we were just getting some suggestions in. People like, y'all should do Back to School. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, no fucking problem. <laughs> uh, glad to do so. This will be another first on the pod today. As we grew up, we associate a lot of movies with some of our friends. Of course. When we started this, we thought, well, certain movies, we'll have to see if some of these guys can come in that we connect these movies with For and sure. enjoy with. And this is the first time that we are going to have insight from one of our friends. That's true. All-time bro, Jordan <laughs> Chambers, uh, helped correspond with some hot takes on this movie. We were hoping to have him actually be on the pod, but we live about 260 miles apart, so that wasn't possible, unfortunately. But We're not that tech-savvy yet. Right, right. We're not that tech-savvy but, um, but he did pay a lot for, for his hot takes, so <laughs> don't think that you can just waltz in here you know, whenever you want to and start dropping hot takes, there's uh, there's a cost. He, he's earned it in three decades plus of viewership <laughs> time of the same movies. As a matter of fact, I've known Jordan for about 20 years. I think when you guys met, that relationship started at a crawfish boil it did. based on nothing but a discussion about 80s movies. That's all it was. That's all. <laughs> that's actually all we ever talk about. And I, I, to tell you the honest to God truth, I think we've only been in the same physical space that one time. <laughs> <laughs> that was years ago. <laughs> But the relationship endures because of these movies, which is why we do this. Yes. So So we'll have some uh, interspersed takes from Jordan uh, that will dictate since Mm -hmm. he's not here today, Mm -hmm. but uh, they're gold. Okay. Let's dive right in. Let's get it to it. Much like the other movies, the intro to this just kicks it off. Yes. We have, it's New York City, about 1940, Mm -hmm. and we see uh, a young Thornton Mellon 
played by the kid from the Wonder Years. That would be Jason Hervey. <laughs> okay. So. I figured you'd look it up. I so. did. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could lie and say that I knew that off the top of my head. It's it's written down here, Wonder Years kid. And then I had to look it up. <laughs> <That's funny 'cause laughs> my note is, it's the kid from Wonder Years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, yes, yeah, 1940s New York, and he's uh, walking into his uh, dad's apparel shop, essentially. Uh, he's sitting there selling some clothes and... Uh, that's his dad's business. Mm-hmm. And uh, he shows up with a bad report card. His dad's none too pleased. He basically says, you know, you need to do better. Without an education, a man's got nothing. It's it's the classic, you know, do you want to do you want to work your fingers to the bone mentality or do you want to have some knowledge and, you know, make your living that way? <clears throat> Which is the foundation for the premise of the movie. Yeah. And then we hit the opening credits to, I think, was the best opening score to a movie in history. It's so upbeat. I love it so much. It's so good. It's Danny Elfman. Obviously, has scored multiple things. Right. Some of the highlights being Batman and The Simpsons. Yes. And he does make an appearance later in this with his own band hmm. that is maybe one of the favorite things in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get to. So. Right. Yeah, the opening the opening music, it reminded me of the summer school music. Oh yeah. When they're when they're all studying for the final exam. <laughs> it, I, I almost thought it was the same music and hell, maybe Danny Elfman scored that motherfucker too. I bet he did. <laughs> that dude's got his hands in everything. <laughs> I don't think we've said it yet, but in the opening credits, we you do see that the star of this film is the one and only Rodney Dangerfield, yes. who is the king. Yes. And uh, interspersed into those, it's kind of a montage of still shots as New York mm-hmm. and Rodney uh, get older through time, and they do intersperse a photo of him from Caddyshack. I don't know, if you <laughs> I don't know. I did not notice yeah. that. Yeah. Nice. It's in there. Okay. And something else I notice is the rest of the cast in this movie, yep. too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely lethal. Yes. They are unbelievable. And on the same title slide, you see the names of Robert Downey Jr. and Mr. Billy Zabka. Indeed you do. The soaring golden eagle himself. So I have a note here (laughs) because I noticed the same thing. And I thought to myself, is that the best cast still shot ever? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. I got tingles when I saw it, and I've seen this movie a billion times. Because we know that they're in the movie. We know Robert Downey Jr. is in the movie. We know William Zabka is in the movie. But just seeing their names on screen and nobody else's name, it was spine tingling. (laughs) It's so good. Can we talk about how uh, this movie was, I think, written and produced by Harold Ramis? I also have that note. (laughs) It is another guarantee that this will be good. Yeah. You know, he's most known for for his role as Egon Spangler. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we think of him mm-hmm. as being that kind of uptight, nerdy person. Mm-hmm. But you know that man was making jokes probably in 24 hours a day. He's making jokes for 23 hours and 55 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's making jokes in his sleep. I mean, he just is a fucking comedic genius. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, R.I.P. Harold yes, Ramis. indeed. Okay, so we get through the credits. Yep. And I think the first thing we see is a commercial spot mm-hmm. that Thornton Mellon, he's he's an old man now, and he has thrived in the apparel business. He is, yes, he has. He now owns a chain of stores called Tall and Fat. <laughs> in case that's too dubious, it is for <laughs> tall and fat people. Right. He just goes full danger field. In like one minute, he probably lays on about 20 jokes. Not to let the horse out of the barn or whatever, but that's what he, this whole movie is basically just an homage to his 
comedic style. Yeah. And it's awesome. And yes, it starts from that commercial. I'm pretty convinced <clears throat> watching this that, you know, there's a general premise for this movie design, but I have to believe they just let Rodney go. And honestly, I think Robert Downey Jr. probably did the same thing. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we have this commercial and clearly he's thrived in this business. Mm-hmm. It kind of cuts to uh, Thornton Mellon watching the spot in his limo. Mm-hmm. And uh, his driver is another Rocky transplant. Much like the last pod, we had Adrian in Rad. This movie, we've got Lou. Lou, played by Burt Young, yes, who was Polly in Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I feel this is his best role. So we'll get to him. I've got a lot of hot takes on him, and he is phenomenal as his driver, bodyguard, masseuse. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I can't wait to hear those because yeah. he's clutch. And it. Did you catch the joke during the commercial about the Hindenburg line? Yes. <laughs> yes. So there's a joke in the commercial where they're unveiling, you know, the tall and fat stores are unveiling the Hindenburg line. I mean, you don't really catch a lot of Hindenburg jokes because it's one of the greatest tragedies in the last, I don't know, 100 years or so. Sure. But uh, nope, not for Rodney. Rodney makes it play. <laughs> he makes it play. <laughs> he sure does. So, yes, yeah, so we, we meet Lou. He's the mm-hmm. limo driver and he's clearly, he's kind of like uh, Thornton's confidant. Right. He's always with him and... Right. You, you kind of see that Thornton, despite his a mass of wealth, that he's an everyday man. Like right. he doesn't cater to high society. That's that's his that's his style. Right. That's his style of comedy. No matter how successful Rodney Dangerfield was, it was always about not getting respect and not having class. Yeah. So absolutely. And so we immediately go into a uh, conference room meeting at Mellon Enterprises or whatever. Mellon Building. Mellon Building, yes. <laughs> when he tells, he walks past his secretary and he says, hold some of my calls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying things that a CEO should say. Yeah. <laughs> Not hold all my calls. Hold some of hold my some calls. Hold some of them. <laughs> So, so he, he gets into this um, big conference room, you know, a lot of his employees around who I might add are all overweight. They're all customers at the tall and fat store. <laughs> yes. For sure. Which was a point of his, if you want to look thin, surround yourself with fat That people. was how he closed the commercial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you want to look thin, you hang out with fat people. And in this meeting, you find out that Thornton is very business savvy. Yes. You know, he doesn't wear on his sleeve. He has a lot of street smarts that he has adapted into a very successful business life, and he is quite savvy. Yes. Part of the things we see is uh, in this meeting is they're introducing some products that they could uh, develop, and one of the guys holds up what looks to be a Cabbage Patch Kid. Okay. But it's not. No. It's a Melon Patch Kid. <laughs> and unlike the Cabbage Patch Kids, these kids aren't orphans. No, they're not. They're abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> And might I add, the uh, the melon patch kids are also quite hefty in size. Rotund. <laughs> <laughs> to which uh, Thornton, of course, responds, "Okay, go with it." <laughs> so yeah, we've got the we've got the boardroom scene. He gets a call from Jason, his son. We'll talk about Jason. Yeah. Uh, Jason. <laughs> um, but then, you know, then we've got the party, the well, party at the house. I, I will add one other thing about okay. the conference meeting. Because okay. we do get to see, he gets his call from Jason. Mm-hmm. Thornton Mellon is a family man in mm-hmm. the sense where he loves his son. Yes. He tells everybody to get out of the boardroom he, so he could take this call from yeah, Jason. Yeah, 
Like he is a the board the the meeting just started. Yeah, and he's like, all right, we're done. Yeah, but so. he's a very devoted father. Right. Okay, continue. We go to a party that Thornton Mellon and his his wife of five years are having an anniversary party. Yes, and let's let's talk about the anniversary party at the Mellon residence. Oh my gosh, you know Thornton pulls up to the house with Lou, and Lou kind of leans out. We, this was uh, Thornton's second wife, right? And Lou kind of leans out the window. He's like. I liked your old house better. And he's like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, I liked your old wife better too. <laughs> but she gives great headache. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Lay off finesse. She gives great headache. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's clear that there's a lot of discord in this marriage. Mm-hmm. Are you saying I spent too much money? You spent too much money? No. A lot of people go to Switzerland to get their watch fixed. Yeah, they don't like each other. They hate no, each other. No, they hate each other. They hate each other. And, so. uh, there's a, a million great lines that go back and forth, but ultimately they're having this party tonight. It's all of his second wife's friends. Right. He doesn't really care about them, and he's just there to basically flip the bill and uh, just get the night over with as quickly as possible because he has no business being there because everybody's high society. Right. And he is anything but. Right. They kind of go into this thing, and he's just not happy to be there. So he's he's trying to get a beer. He can't get a beer at his own house. <laughs> right. The staff has been instructed to only serve uh, like champagne. Martinis. And, oh, martinis. And champagne. And champagne. <laughs> uh, so he goes and gets one himself. And uh, while he's getting his own beer, he hears some commotion. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's one of the, the server's kitchen. And what does he see in there? He sees Vanessa being fondled by Giorgio. <laughs> by Giorgio. And Giorgio is played by Robert Picardo. <laughs> he's he's one of my nominees. He's one of my Efficiency Award nominees in uh-huh. this movie. Very fitting. Um, but Robert Picardo, if you check out his IMDb, uh-huh. he was the cowboy in Inner Space. Yes, he was. <laughs> he's the cowboy in Inner Space. He's been in hundreds of different things. He's been in so many great 80s movies and... He was the voice of Johnny Cab in Total Recall, oh, which is oh. where we, which is who Quato is inspired by, right? So, a shout out to Robert Picardo, right? Shout out to Robert Picardo. I want to. There's an award that we're gonna have to give out. We're just <laughs> naming it the Robert Picardo <laughs> Award because he is right. fucking great in that. So he's fondling Vanessa, and that's pretty much Thornton's. That's his cue that this is done. This is fucking done. Yeah. And he calls her out. He's like, <laughs> you know, again, he's like, what's going on in here? And Giorgio's like, oh, we were uh, just looking for some cop- cocktail napkins. He says, we're under her dress. Right. Which Vanessa says, you're impossible. And he says, yeah, well, you're, you're easy. easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a uh, it's such a stab in the back. And it's so effective. Just that quick. Well, you're easy. Yeah. And he just really doesn't even care. He doesn't care. He's done with it. And then they, of course, they're talking about how their marriage is over. They're getting a divorce. Uh-huh. He's got divorce papers ready to go they, immediately. He pulls them out of his pocket. <laughs> Along with several photos, Polaroids, nonetheless. Yes, and this was one of uh, one of the uh, takes from Jordan that he was uh, he really wanted us to mention here. Okay, As he's going through. He's like, "Well, here's a picture of you and Giorgio in the uh, kitchen. Here's a picture of you and Giorgio in uh, the den." It's like, "Here's another one. There's you. There's Giorgio. What's with the midget?" <laughs> I've written down here a midget joke. Yeah. <laughs> 
So their marriage is done, mm-hmm. and Thornton's got nothing really going on. He's a successful businessman. His marriage is now over. He's got time on his hands. So what does he do? He's going to go see his son. He's going to go visit his son. He's going to college. I did have to mention that this, much like we've talked about on some of the other episodes, is another example of a song yep. that sings the title <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> I miss it. Right. I miss it. It's so good. But uh, so they immediately, they're driving up, him and Lou are driving up to uh, the college to go see Jason. Grand Lakes University. <laughs> Grand Lakes University. And by the way, do you see what their mascot is? The Hooters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, Rodney walks into a, uh, a set of Hooters right off the he bat. He sure does. Uh, they pull up. They're trying to find Jason. All he knows is Jason's a member of some fraternity. They pull up to the first house they find with Greek letters. Right. They don't know what it is. Right. So Rodney or Thornton goes wandering in, misses all the signs that it's a sorority, which are glaring as he's walking mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And naturally, the first thing you do is walk straight into the, the right shower into the room. the bathroom. Yeah. Even assuming that this was a, uh, a male shower, he walks straight up to the shower, rips open the shower curtain, looking for his son. And of course, it's not his son. It's not his son. It's a... It's a co-ed, and you get a gratuitous boob. Yep. You get a set of them. Absolutely. It's it's a hallmark of the 80s. In which Thornton pulls back and says, I didn't see anything, I promise, and then rips open the shirt car- <laughs> shower curtain again and says, you're perfect. You're perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, that that actually, I thought about that. So, it was his son yeah. in the shower, Yeah. and he didn't just randomly, completely violate a helpless co-ed. But he walks into a shower and just rips back the curtain. That's how he rolls. Yeah. That's how he rolls. He's a melon. He's a melon. (laughs) (laughs) Did you notice the name of the sorority? No, I didn't. Well, it was the, I guess they were the pie and then news because it's an N, right? Uh So I think there's a. I think there's a poon joke in there. I I would have to assume you're correct. I think there's a poon joke. Uh, I think every sorority... Uh, that was featured in a movie in the 80s was Pie something. Yes, Pie. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Revenge of the Nerds, obviously, for starting that, for kickstarting that. Right. So they get, you know, they get through this gaff. The police come and uh, Rodney just kind of pays them off. They right. don't care. And then we, this is where we get introduced to Derek Lutz. Yes. Played none other by Mr. Robert Downey Jr. And um, he's walking with Jason and they're just kind of chatting. And it's really just kind of a, way to intro Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. because he is going strong. And I'll have to add, this movie is peak Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Anyone who feels that maybe they've seen Iron Man and think he's just fantastic, I, I feel bad for them that they don't know this Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> this is when he was on Saturday Night Live as one of the youngest cast members ever. I have to assume it's when he's into the drug scene and oh. all that fully which into drugs. only made him better this is i mean you know i'm happy for robert downey jr he turned his shit around yeah. he makes 50 million dollars for just for being in an iron man or every marvel cinematic universe movie where yeah. he's in it for 30 seconds uh-huh. he gets a humongous check i feel like he misses these days he has to he has to <laughs> this was peak downey so yeah and he is not only is he peak in this movie but he is full punk yes that's his Derek lutz's character is he's punk there's no other way to describe it as a matter of fact and i'll we'll have a couple <clears throat> examples going through 
he is fearless. Yes. He does He's not a take badass. Yeah, he does not take shit from anyone. Right. And uh it wasn't ever really my impression watching it before and then watching it again uh just recently I'm like, "Damn." He did not care. He doesn't fuck around. No. Any jock, any frat guy, he's like, fuck off. That's right. And uh, he, gets he, in their face. He, he, you know, he rolls to the beat of his own drum and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's Jason's, he's Jason's only friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is shocking that Jason even has a friend. I have to think that Derek is only hanging around with Jason to be nice. It, it Derek could to. hang out with anybody he wanted to. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, that, you know, let's have a side note here because this is something that both you and I and Jordan noticed Jason is very comparable to Michael from over the top. If Michael was in college, Michael from over the top is in college. It's Jason. Yeah. He oh, sucks. Absolutely. He sucks. He sucks. Nobody likes him. So, but we get an introduction to all of uh, Derek Lutz's one liners mm-hmm. and he's just going to town. I'm sure he's coked up and going to town. <laughs> yes. Uh, when he refers to uh, proletariat chicks in bondage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book by Karl Marx. Yeah. <laughs> Came with a leather hood from condom house. <laughs> So we get that intro, and then they get back to their dorm room and find that Thornton and Lou are sitting there waiting for Mm -hmm. him. You know, Thornton is talking to Jason. He says, you know, I've been all around campus, and I went to your fraternity. They said you weren't a member. I went to the diving team. They said you weren't a member there either. So a quick quick hit here. There's a sport angle to this movie, and it involves diving, which Mm -hmm. we'll get into later, but... You know, Jason was supposed, you know, told his dad he was on the, the, the diving team. He's actually the towel boy. He's the towel boy. But who is on the diving team? Fucking Billy Zapka. Billy fucking Zapka. Who has an amazing name in this movie. Yes, he does. It's probably his best name of all of his characters. Yes. But we'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, so Jason basically says he has a, an excuse, which is he was just lying. Yep. So, you know, Thorne's like, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. He says, Jason, you don't lie to me. You lie to girls. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks over at Robert Downey Jr., who's got his punk hair, and he says, is that your real hair? <laughs> what do you think? I think you're trying to get back at your parents. That's right. what I think. So basically, this prompts a walk around campus from Jason and Thornton to have kind of a father-son heart-to-heart. And you really see Thornton being a good father here, just be like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. you can do better than this. He's given, he's given him the same pe- speech that his dad gave him, young Thornton, at the beginning. You know, you got to have education. If you don't get an education, because because Jason's considering dropping out, right? After I guess in a, I guess his second semester, right? Of college. It he has a lot of motivational things he says to Jason, and as I was watching this, I was like, damn, this is more motivating than Rudy, <laughs> 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 because he tells him he's like, Jason, you know, you want to be a loser, you be a loser. You want to be a winner, you be a winner. That's true. He's like, remember, it's up to you. You can do it. Remember, you're a mouth. That's right. And uh, <laughs> I was and I was like. Good on you, that Thornton. Is, Mellon. That is that is good. I like that. I do like that line. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Jason's like, "Well, that's easy for you to say, Dad. Uh, you don't have to do. You don't any have of to it. do any of it, right?" And he says, "Well, I'll do it with you." Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "I'm enrolling to college. I'm going to college. <laughs> I'm going back to school." Yes, there we go. So, uh, you know, I took a moment to be like, "That's a inspirational father move." I'm like, "Good job, mm-hmm. Thornton." Right. So. What happens next is we have to, how does this, I don't know, 60-year-old business tycoon enroll as a freshman at college? Right. So Thornton Mellon can't just fill out an application, submit it to admissions, and be accepted as a freshman in college. So he talks to the dean. He talks to dean. Because he has no high school diploma. He's got no diploma. He's got no diploma. So or any transcripts. Right. So there, he wouldn't be accepted anyway. So he talks to Dean Martin, played mm-hmm. by Ned Beatty. 
and he figures that if he's going to get into this school, well, he's just going to fucking buy a building. That's right. He is going to he's going to donate the Thornton Mellon School of Business. And I did have a note. Ned Beatty is another just killer in this. Kills it. Um, it's so hard <laughs> yes. to pick an award for the best little side character because he crushes yeah. it. But continue. Okay. Then they have a dedication where they're dedicating the and they're doing a groundbreaking. And that's where we get introduced to Professor Philip Barbet. Yes. Who is the dean of the School of Business. And of course, he will go on to be Thornton Mellon's economics teacher. And I can't remember the name of the guy that plays him, but it's stodgy British actor through and through. You know what's funny? In my notes, <laughs> literally, the stodgiest Brit <laughs> you will find. And he plays it so he well. It's just awesome. <laughs> right down to his the cap that he's wearing and the car and that he's car. driving. <laughs> his car. It looks like a chop top Model T Rolls Royce thing i don't even know what it is but you know it is most assuredly british yes and <laughs> he is just upset because he feels this is uh just outrageous that the school would admit this man for mm -hmm. donating money while you have hard-working students that busted their butt to earn their spot here and he's a distraction i don't think that selling admission to an obviously unqualified student is very ethical or honorable all right, Phil, um, but I'd just like to say, in all fairness to Mr. Mellon here, it was a really big check. And he's telling this to Dean Martin right in front of Thornton Mellon mm -hmm. as they're standing there with a shovel to dedicate right. the building. And Thornton Mellon gets upset and he tells him, he's like, the reason you guys have a place to teach is because guys like me donate buildings. That's right. <laughs> and he is 100% true on that. <laughs> yeah. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Philip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the groundbreaking gets a nice big shovel full of dirt, tosses it right over his shoulder, and it lands right on Philip and his beautiful car. That's far from the only time that Thornton will shit on Philip. <laughs> <laughs> the Thornton Mellon is now enrolled in school, so mm -hmm. we've got to get books. Yep. We got to go to books. the we got to go to the bookstore. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And this is just one of Thornton Mellon's just awesome display where he just walks around Any, everywhere he's going. He's he owns the place. Yeah, it's pure Dangerfield. It is pure Dangerfield. <laughs> he's he's handing out money. He's handing out pens. He's buying shit for everybody. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare for everyone. Yes, and then he goes straight to the cashier. Oh, I'd like to tame <laughs> your shrew. It's one of my favorite jokes of the whole movie. It is perfect. I was like, I'll take two of these, four of these, six of these. <laughs> But so, yeah, so he goes through that, and it's just a great moment of how he owns the place. But next, you have to sign up for classes. Yeah, you do. And uh, so this is, you know, something that maybe people don't remember. I think we were on the tail end of this in 1999, where you actually had to physically show up mm -hmm. to we, sign up for you classes. To, you have to go to a room and basically fill out a form that said you were going to be in this class for the next semester right so there's long lines lots of people and you can be in a line and you don't know if that is going to fill up before you get exactly. there so it's kind of a stressful thing so we see jason and Derek lutz thornton mellon and lou they're all kind of in pairs going to this thing to sign up for classes and it's packed thornton and lou are like well fuck this we're not waiting in line right we got to think of something in between that we have jason and Derek. they're in line for astronomy mm-hmm and um, they see Valerie Desmond, mm -hmm. who is kind of like the campus hottie. Right. She drops her books. Fucking Jason's got a thing for her. Right. Which it, is probably the 
the worst on-screen chemistry I've ever seen it's in my life. It's awful. It is so bad. It's just it's just a it's a little love story that they have to pepper in just mm. for the sake of you know we're writing a story here. There's got to be some kind of romantic angle, right? And this is it. It's Jason and Valerie, and pretty much every time they're together on screen. It's cringe. It, it is. It's really cringeworthy. So, um, but she drops her book. So Jason mm-hmm. runs over there to help her, and you know this relationship kind of sparks, even though it's pretty awkward and uncomfortable. But right. <laughs> she mentions that um, she wanted to sign up for botany, but uh, it was already closed. And he says, "Those bastards." <laughs> uh, she's like, "But I'll. Uh, my backup is astronomy." And he's like, "Oh, well, we're already in line. Right? Why don't you come join us?" And so she joins. Jason and Derek. That's kind of an odd like tandem, right? If yeah. you're if you want to be in botany but it's closed, your backup is then astronomy. It's the 80s science of science. <laughs> <laughs> we we grew up on Mr. Wizard. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so they're kind of having this brief get to know you introduction thing mm-hmm. in line and who walks up? Fucking Billy Zapka. Chaz. Chaz Osborne. AKA Chaz Osborne. <laughs> And so Chaz is basically the big swinging dick on campus. He sure is. And so he walks up to and sees Valerie there and he's like, hey, Val, you know, they clearly mm-hmm. know each other mm-hmm. and mentioned that, well, you know, I don't really want to take astronomy, but they want me to take a science for some reason. I'm a business major. That's right. I love the fact that he's a business major. Yes. And which, has to throw it out there. Which, you know, you know, this guy, Chaz, in real life would float through school, get the degree, get a fucking killer job mm. and probably be awesome at business. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's still running the show no matter what happens. Exactly. He's, he's there. He's like, well, you know, maybe I'll cut in line with you guys. And this is when we see Derek Lutz go to town. Right. He just puts his hand on his chest. He says, I don't think so, Osborne. Mm-mm. <laughs> and uh, Chaz's like, hey, you know, about your friend, straighten him out. And he's like, Mm-mm, not happening. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, he's like, I'll tell you what. If you get a note from everybody in line. There's like 200 people. <laughs> yeah. That say it's okay. Then we'll reconsider. Until then, take a height, you elitist fraternity scumbag. So great. God, I love Derek. Listen, you mind if I sneak in a line here with you? Oh, um, well, actually, these guys were nice enough to let me in, so it's really up to them, I guess. Melon, buddy, what do you say? Let me in, okay? I don't think so, Osborne. Melon, about your friend here, straighten him out. Look, Chess, there's a lot of people waiting. It wouldn't really be fair, you know? It's... I'll tell you what. Maybe if you got a note from each and every one of these people saying that it was all right, then we'd reconsider. But until that day, take a hike, you elitist fraternity scumbag. It's just phenomenal. Meanwhile, uh, this plan that Thornton and Lou are putting together is culminating. They're cooking something up. So we see Lou outside, and he's writing on this placard, holds it up, and what does it say? It says, Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Outside of his limo, which, real quick side note, and we see this in other 80s movies, but the automotive symbol of success is the limousine. Oh, for sure. We see it in Mr. Mom, we see it in this, <laughs> and it basically, if we see it in trading places. If you've made it mm. financially, you got a limo you and you got a driver. It. Right. Yep. So. so because it's 1986, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen is just a little bit of a draw. A little bit. And Especially so, to college students. Right. One second after he thrusts that side in the air, he's mobbed by 200 people. Right. The, ro- the, the registration room clears out Empties. completely. Empties. And so somehow Lou has made it inside <laughs> with everybody out there. But Lou, Thornton, Jason, Derek, Valerie, 
they just smile and laugh and they get to sign up for whatever classes they want. Yep. And what class does Thornton sign up for? Well, we see him walk into his first class mm-hmm. and his professor is Dr. Philip Barbet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was the title of the class. Was it like business one hundred and one? I something think it's like that? economics. Oh, economics. I you're think right. it's economics. You're right. Yep. And my note is, this is one of my favorite lectures of all time. <laughs> you know, stodgy Brit, right. Philip. Right. You know, this is his world. This academic environment is his world. Mm-hmm. And the lecture is centering around how to build a company from the ground down. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it fun. <laughs> He's going to make this class fun. Yes. By building a fictional company from the ground up. And because Thornton Mellon is this ungodly savvy businessman, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of questions. Right. Because a lot of what Philip's talking about doesn't make sense to him right. from a real life perspective. Exactly. So, you know, he asks Philip, Oh, you know, what's the product? Right. Philip says, Tape recorders. <laughs> you know, for the you know, for whatever. And he says, Tape recorders. <laughs> the Japs will kill us in the labor costs alone. <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks. So Philip switches the product to widgets, right? Which is a the fictional, fictional product. product. Yeah, you know they kind of go and they're kind of have they have a long back and forth about different things. You know about renting versus building. And- well, Philip's got all of you know. Philip's got the costs written up on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. The, the build the construction costs, and you know here's. Thornton Mellon with he's like what do you if you're gonna use cement well you gotta go talk to the Teamsters <laughs> yeah. they're gonna want a piece of the pie and yeah, it's just the all the, the unions out. and the Teamsters it's all so uh, he's great like, you left out a bunch of oh, stuff and he's like <laughs> what did he say and he's like and then you got to talk about long-term costs like yeah. waste management <laughs> yeah. let me tell you who do you think run in that industry because I'll tell you another thing it ain't the Boy Scouts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I I believe laid the seed for the Sopranos right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you left out a bunch of stuff. Like what, for instance? Well, first of all, you're going to have to grease the local politicians for the sudden zoning problems that always come up. Then there's the kickbacks to the carpenters. And if you plan on using any cement in this building, I'm sure the team should like to have a little chat with you. And that'll cost you. Oh, and don't forget a little something for the building inspectors. Then there's a long-term cost, such as waste disposal. I don't know if you're familiar with who runs that business, but I assure you it's not the Boy Scouts. That'll be quite enough, Mr. Mellon. We've established that Phil, Professor Philip Barbet and Thornton Mellon are going to be at odds throughout the entire movie. They're they're enemies, right? Right from there. So it just great scene. I love it to mm-hmm. death. And then he goes to his next class. That would be contemporary American history. Yes, taught by Professor Turgeson, played by Sam Kinison. Sam fucking Kinison. Rest in peace. If you don't know Sam Kinison. Go check out his YouTube all time. If you don't know who Sam Kinison is, I feel sorry for you. As I was watching this, the note I made is just plainly, this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Uh, Knowing Sam Kinison and his routine and Mm -hmm. how he was, as it starts out, I wrote down that seeing a restrained Sam Kinison (laughs) may be even funnier than watching him explode. (laughs) <laughs> so Sam Kinison was a stand-up comedian, died very early, you know, he died in the 90s. He was, you know, known for his um just explosions of anger as part of his comedic bit and he just rolls right into this. He's basically he's not acting at all. No. I mean, just like Rodney Dangerfield is basically playing himself, so is Sam Kinison. And he opens the lesson with an outstanding line. <laughs> he says 
let's dive right in by discussing one of the easiest events to interpret in the 20th century, the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got your your front row student, um, you know, pretty girl who has her explanation mm-hmm. as to why President Nixon decided to withdraw troops from Vietnam. And, (laughs) you know, her explanation is very academic Uh, and he just Professor Turgeson. That's where you get restrained, restrained, (laughs) where he's breathing through his teeth. (laughs) Well, it's just you can see him doing the heavy breathing as he's trying to contend. Is she right? (laughs) I'd like to believe so, but I was there. And goes off into a spiel. Goes off to his, uh, explodes, and he's exploding, and she's crying, and, <laughs> and then there's Thornton Mellon, and he's like, ho, ho, take it easy, take it easy. And then one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is is when Sam Kinison is like, well, thank you, Mr. <laughs> Helper, <laughs> in that classic Sam Kinison voice. And, uh, and he goes into <clears throat> one of my other favorite lines, too, is, you know, Thornton's having him calm down mm-hmm. and saying, as for me, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. Right. And he says, oh, you know, thanks for joining the discussion, Mr. Helper. Mm-hmm. He's like, maybe you can help me with this. About 20, 30 years ago, you remember that Korean conflict? And he's like, tell me, how come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to the Great Wall of China and nuke them back to the fucking Stone Age? <laughs> say it. Say it. And then, you know, all right, I'll say it. Because Truman was too much of a pussy. <laughs> Let McCarthy go ahead and blow out those commie <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. <laughs> I'm going to keep my eye on you. Good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. So I did read a little bit about this scene. Okay. Because, you know, um, I guess Rodney had pushed pretty hard for Sam okay. to be in this role. Apparently, it was impossible for Rodney to get through this scene without laughing. Okay. Uh, so they left Me too. A, yeah. <laughs> so they left in a shot from behind where... You can see Sam Kinison's face getting into a mm-hmm. thorn melon. Ronnie's back is convulsing yeah. and he's got his hand over his mouth. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. really laughing. But right. they're like, we couldn't get a shot without That's it. So we awesome. just left it in. That's awesome. <laughs> I think um, I think after that, is that when we get the the bar scene? No. Okay, Not what am yet. I missing? Oh, we, we still have English class. Yeah, we, we, still, we, we gotta got to go English. English. We got English. Right. So, you know, he's doing his meet and greet still. This is his first day and he's mm-hmm. going from class to class. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. just handing out pens left right, and right to everybody. Right, 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 right. You know, one of the guys recognizes him from the commercials. And he's like, hey, hey you're, you're tall and fat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you're short and ugly. Give me my pen back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is where we meet Diane. Mm-hmm. And she's the professor of the English class. Right. Thornton is immediately smitten. You know, she goes in and she starts reading some James Joyce. And Thornton is- that you know that it's James Joyce. Well, she says it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm still impressed. <laughs> You know, she's reading this often. Thornton's daydreaming about him and her, like in a meadow, mm-hmm. making out, and he's hot to trot. This right. is what's this is Thornton's love interest for yes. the movie now. Yep, played by uh, Sally Kellerman. Yep. You know, he's he's sitting next to Jason in class and this, and he's just like, "Oh my god, what a woman!" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Dad, she's the teacher." He's like, "I like teachers. You do something wrong, they make you do it over again." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they uh, he ends up meeting her after <clears throat> class and um, just kind of. Introduce himself and blah, blah, blah. And, and he goes straight into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, we should go out sometime. He is a pure salesman. Mm-hmm. It, you don't get if you don't ask. Right. So he he asks straight up, why don't we get dinner sometime? Right. And he won't so, take no because nope. she says, well, I've got class that day. Well, how mm-hmm. about this? I got class. And he says, 
one of the great lines too. Well, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? I wrote down that there is an abundance of class jokes throughout this entire movie because that's Rodney Dangerfield. That's his bit. Yes. So it's a great line. And he just, and he, he delivers it perfectly. He's like moving to the bar scene. I think right in prep for it, you see uh, another scene with Jason and Derek. Mm-hmm. And Derek, because Thornton was supposed to meet Jason to study at the library. Right. So Jason's waiting for him. Derek shows up. And Derek's like decked out in like kind of weird garb. Anti, it, it looks like anti-establishment garb. Right. And his fact is he's doing an anti-pep rally. Anti-football pep rally. Right. That's another one of his lines when he says that football is a cryptic fascist metaphor for nuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, Thornton never shows up. Mm-hmm. He's at a bar. He's doing what college students do. Right. So he's not really holding true to the like, let's be studious. Right. Without an education, a man is nothing. He's mm-hmm. technically going to school, but he's not applying himself. Right. He's like, let's party. Right. So he's at the bar. You got Lou, a bunch of the other school's kids there. Right. And there's a live band that is fucking awesome, by the way. I have it written down that their cover of Twist and Shout is the worst cover ever. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So I was watching this. Yeah, it is pretty terrible. <laughs> but their their look yes. is spot on. <laughs> but we have a because Thornton jumps on stage, right? And he starts singing this. Mm-hmm. Now this movie came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller came out in 1986, and he jumps up on a float and does Twist and Shout. You think you think that they you think John Hughes ripped it off from Harold Ramis? I don't know, but I, what I was wondering, what the fuck was going on in 1986 where everybody's belting out Twist and Shout? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the jam. There must have been a lot of bar mitzvahs that year with <laughs> Twist and Shout. Why don't you tell us a bit about what happens at this bar? All right. So they're at the bar. Thornton Mellon is belting out Twist and Shout. The band is like the prototypical lead singer with a blazer, a guitarist, three female vocalists that are singing back up, and everybody's partying, having a good time. Thornton's buying drinks for everybody. Here comes the football team. And the football team looks like they've been doused in in fluorescent green paint mm-hmm. and they're going they're headed straight for Derek Lutz who's yeah. now showed up at the party with Jason because they figured out that Thornton stood Jason up they find him at the bar they go to the bar and then here comes the football team to get its vengeance right and Chaz is also there yes and he walks up to the football team he sees they're upset you know they're covered in paint he's like what's going on and some asshole covered us in paint they even got some of my girlfriend and you know and he's like well you're in luck because guess who's here mm-hmm. Derek Lutz right uh, who clearly is responsible for it right but you know what Derek Lutz doesn't give a fuck he doesn't give a fuck he goes straight up to him yep and starts talking shit <laughs> So this is, I mean, it looks like who would be the captain of the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like 6'2", probably, you know, 220 pounds. And, you know, coked up Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> as Derek Lutz, who's, you know, a, a buck 70. Max. <clears throat> right? You know, yeah, he doesn't care. He just, uh, he starts getting right up in his face. And, of course, Jason's trying to de-escalate the situation. And then here comes Jason. Thornton. Um, here comes Thornton. And he's like, hey, what's uh, what's going on? And the football player goes right up to Thornton Mellon and he's like... Football player, he's basically like, you want to make something of it? Right. Thornton says, no, you know, I, I don't get physical. You know, I get upset. He gets physical, pointed to Lou. Right. No, I never get physical. I just get upset. When I get upset, hey, he gets physical. And so this is when it's kind of great to just see Paulie <laughs> peek out from the booth, 
holding a napkin dispenser <laughs> and just crushes it in his bare hand. And then he's right into it. Yeah, he Bully just gets up, yep. goes right up to the football player, and he's like, you got a problem? The football player's kind of backing up. No. Well, you do now. <laughs> Sucker punches him right in the gut, and we get the bar fight. Right. And I did notice, I'm pretty sure Lou kills that guy by shoving his head in the jute box. <laughs> uh. Did you notice what Jason was doing during the bar fight? Yeah. He was doing what Michael would do from over the top. He crawled on his hands and knees on the floor trying to evade everything. Just crawling on the ground like a wiener. What a bitch. <laughs> and uh, I, I'll have to point out, this was another take we got from our Houston Connection, Jordan. Okay. And he pointed this out to us through text message, and it was spot on. Okay. There's some uh, thievery that's taken place in a modern movie from this movie. And in Wolf of Wall Street, we have Matthew McConaughey's character. And he steals a line from this movie from the bar scene. And it's when Rodney Dangerfield's talking to one of the waitresses, and he says, bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes until somebody passes Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Then bring one every ten minutes. Ripped, ripped right off. Ripped right yes. from fucking Thornton Mellon. I'll give McConaughey credit. Mm -hmm. He's got good taste. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, good take by Jordan. Right. All right, so the bar fight, which it ends with Pauly throwing the guy through the jukebox. So we have another bar fight in a movie. Mm -hmm. We have another bar fight that's ended with somebody getting thrown through a glass structure. Yes, <laughs> so. absolutely. I guess the only difference with this one is that I don't think it was really team building. It was no. just, it's kind of chaos inducing. I yeah, guess. yeah, but that's all right. Yeah, who cares? Well, it kind of, you know, it, it well, we'll say it builds the team between Thornton and Derek and this. I was about to say, maybe Thornton and Derek got yeah. closer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after this, they're kind of, Back in class, mm -hmm. and him and uh, Jason are kind of rehashing the fight. Mm -hmm. You know, he's talking about taking on the whole football team, and Thornton's like, well, they're not tough. The football players in my high school were tough. After they sacked the quarterback, they went after his family. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to take on the whole football team? They're not that tough. The football team at my high school, they were tough. After they sacked the quarterback, they went after his family. So essentially what happens here is we get a little shift and we kind of move into a Thornton and Diane segment. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Diane notices that Thornton's maybe fallen behind a little bit and agrees to tutor him, mm -hmm. which is really just a date. Right. Thornton goes over to her house for this tutor mm -hmm. wearing, you know, full suit and some good date garb. <laughs> and uh, they get talking and, you know, it, it's a little bit not essential to the plot, but basically Thornton's explaining he doesn't like to read books. He'd rather watch the movies. Right. What about Macbeth? I saw the movie. Austin Wells. Great actor. Big actor. He was a tall and fat customer for years. How about Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? I saw the movie. Burl Ives. Great actor. Extra stout. He was a customer, too. Streetcar named Desire. Great movie. Marlon Brando. I'll tell you, he wasn't that big then, but he ballooned up nicely. I'd say pound for pound, our finest American actor. Don't you ever read? Read? Who has time? I see the movie. I'm in and out in two hours. And somehow convinces her to actually go out for dinner, for dinner. and mm -hmm. drinks, where they really hit it off. Diane's kind of taken by him because she's, you know, men today are supposed to show how in touch with their feelings are. Nobody's manly anymore. And... Well, she's dating Philip, right? Right, and that's because a huge component that I did not mention because they're both British. They're the both they're both <laughs> British professors at the school, so obviously they have to date one they another. Off. They so... make a, a merger, a partnership, right? So. <laughs> Uh, to which Diane says that she doesn't want a merger. She wants to be romanced because he's the economics guy. She's the liberal arts teacher. So she is looking for fun in her life, mm -hmm. which, of course, Thornton Mellon is the most fun guy 
fucking in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he shows her a good time, takes her out to dinner, makes her laugh. And which leads into, I think, my favorite line of the whole movie. Okay. Thornton and Diane are coming back. By the way, we, we've said that now, like about, <laughs> and, you about know, each of us have said that about half a dozen times. It's going to happen a half a dozen more. <laughs> this movie is so hard it's to so discuss. so chock full of one-liners. Because so. it's, exactly, the whole movie is mm-hmm. these brilliant one-liners. But Thornton and Diane, they come, they get back to Diane's house in uh, Thornton's stretch limo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Diane gets out of the car first. And who's parked outside of her house but Philip? Mm-hmm. They were supposed to have a date right? Tonight. And so he's been waiting out front, hand washing his car, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rubbing it down. He just wipes it with a diaper. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, Diane, what are you doing? We were supposed to have a date tonight. And she's like, what is happening? And he's like, well, I just went out. He's like, are you kidding? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe it's a dream. And like yeah, runs yeah, inside yeah. out. And then here comes Thornton, <laughs> who's just drunkenly, just excitedly walking into Diane's house, too. And he's like... Looks at Philip. He's like, "Hey, you do a good job." Referring to his car, how much do you charge for big cars? <laughs> Biggest middle finger he can give to the guy. Absolutely. Leaves him outside and goes straight into <laughs> goes Diane's straight house. In, straight into Diane's house, where he seals the deal after one night. He closes. That's all <laughs> Thornton does yeah. is close. Right. So they're good to go for the rest of the movie. They're on. They're a thing. They're from a now thing. on. Right. After that, do we get? Where Thornton starts to apply his business acumen to his scholastic career at this point? Just about. We find out some, you know, alleged good news from Jason that he's made the diving team. He made team. the diving team, right, right. Which we haven't really even touched upon with the diving. Right. So It's a big component of the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, it, it is a, a melon family tradition of diving. Right. So it's a big deal. Jason makes a diving team. Right. So, he was he was the towel boy at the beginning of the movie, and then he make he makes the team. Chaz, of course, is is on the team. Uh-huh. He's the stud diver on the team. He's a national high school champion, and uh, you know Thornton's like, oh, he's so proud of him. He's like, we need to mm-hmm. throw a party, right? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jason's not so sure. He's like, no, we still need to focus on school. And but it's clear that Thornton is like slipping in class. Mm-hmm. As he's slipping, we see that he's no longer attending Philip Barbe's class. He's assigned his personal secretary to take notes. Marge Sweetwater. Marge Sweetwater, who has multiple killer roles. The lady that plays her, I don't know her name. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. Edie McClurg is who plays Marge Sweetwater. And although that name might be not be recognizable, you've seen her. You know exactly who she is once you see her. She was Ed Rooney's secretary. Grace! Grace! In Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she plays Marge Sweetwater, Thornton Mellon's personal secretary, who is sitting in on Professor Barbe's class, taking notes as if she's a stenographer. Right. <laughs> and she was also uh, the woman behind the counter in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles who tells Steve Martin that he's fucked. <laughs> she deserves an award. Well, exactly. And that's my point with this. Like, it's so hard to do an efficiency right, award winner right. because this cast is it's, lethal. It is. There's so much greatness in this cast. You know, I ultimately decided I was like, I think you have to just give it to Robert Downey. It's he's the thing is he's really not in the movie much, mm-hmm. and it's kind of obvious, but it and it's just out there. He's probably too big of a character to deserve it, but he kind of deserves it. So but there's so it's hard to not say Sam Kinison. Right. <clears throat> so I actually I have my winner. I'm not going to I'm not going to reveal it just yet. I 
strongly considered Derek Lutz, uh-huh. ultimately had to not go with Robert Downey Jr. as Derek Lutz in this. Because whenever he's in the movie, Jason is in the movie. So <laughs> it, it, it's like the rock of shame. I mean, That's fair. It, yeah. So I couldn't give it to I couldn't give it to Robert on that one. Yeah. Because he's basically carrying Jason the whole fucking movie. Through new fault of his own. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, that sucks for Derek, but yeah, yeah it does. I'd, I'd have to agree. Yep. That, that's a good point. But uh, so we go through this. You know, Jason's embarrassed that Edie McClurg, Marge Sweetwater, Marge Sweetwater <laughs> is, uh, gets called out for being his dad's secretary and all this stuff. And Jason kind of starts a downward slide here, too. Mm-hmm. This really culminates... At Thornton's party that he throws. Mm-hmm. So Thornton throws a party. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a party that's you know after it's after one of their dive meets at which Jason f- shits the bed, has a shitty dive, and they lose the meet. But Thornton's having a party at their at the dorm room anyway. The dorm room that he had completely blown out and rebuilt like a fucking studio apartment. Yeah. So it's full fixer upper like he chip and joanne their dorm rooms they had three separate rooms right uh he opened it up uh three two large kitchen Absolutely. open concept yep and cool. i mean honestly as i was watching this i'm like you know even by today's standards that place looks pretty fucking it cool. looks awesome yes. <laughs> but i mean sure we're talking lounge couches hot tub mm-hmm. i mean it's a setup right and this is where the party's going down right this is where we find out that oingo boingo Fronted by Danny fucking <laughs> is playing the party yeah, right. with the quintessential song of this movie, Dead Man's Party. <laughs> Some personal history with this song. This has been played at almost every wedding reception I have been to, strictly based on this movie. Wow. Okay. It is. It's like the ignition to time to get crazy right. song. <laughs> because if you see this party, it's the party you want to go to. Right. It is right. a Thornton Mellon party. Absolutely. It's for sure. Meanwhile, there's another party that's supposed to be going on, and Chaz and Valerie are at this party and they're dressed up like fucking they just walked off the set of the live action Flintstones. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Cause they're dressed with, you know, caveman garb and this party is not, it's supposed to be the best party of the year. Well, not tonight. It ain't. Nope. No, the best party of the year is going down in fucking Thornton Mellon's room. Even though they're blasting Michael Bolton, everybody goes crazy at the fraternity party. Right. (laughs) It still wasn't enough to draw the crowd. No, man. When you've got Danny Elfman fronting Oingo Boingo. You get your fucking ass over there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, and uh, and Diane and Philip, they decide to go. I mean, that's who's going to this party. The cops show up. The cops unload beer. They're bringing (laughs) cases of beer to the party. Um, We see Thornton Mellon and a bevy of, well, these aren't college students. These are straight bikini models that are hanging out with him in the hot tub, which Mm. is in their room. Uh Um, You know, you can't have a, you can't have a bath without bubbles. (laughs) Bubbles, get over here. One of the bikini models, of course, is named Bubbles. What's her favorite subject? 
Poetry. Oh, poetry. <laughs> poetry. Yeah, maybe you could maybe straighten out my Longfellow. Long <laughs> <laughs> of course, Diane sees him in the hot tub with all the all the bikini models, and she storms off because she's pissed. Which uh, I'll repeat my favorite line. This is my eleventh favorite line. <laughs> when Diane walks in. And she sees Thornton pop out of the hot tub with all these models around him, and Thornton's shocked to see her, and he has to come up with something. He says, Diane, say hello to my nieces. <laughs> so uh, how about, well, before they get in there, before Philip and Diane get there, they encounter what I who I have written down. I know who you're talking about, because I considered this as well. Acid wash jacket guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the greatest party of all time. <laughs> it's this guy. He's shit faced. He's wearing an incredible acid wash jean jacket. He's drunk and he's telling Philip and Diane that Thornton Mellon is the greatest thing that's ever happened in his life. <laughs> the whole world is there. And then he vomits in Philip's car. <laughs> Did you see that? As a consequence of Thornton Mellon, so it's another way that Thornton's shitting on Philip. Yeah, so. and that actually prompts Diane to go up and check it right. out. She's like, this is crazy. <laughs> Here's a fun piece of trivia I found out. So at this party, uh, Derek makes his way over to the soundboard, mm-hmm. and, which is another indirect way of Thornton shitting on Philip, <laughs> and he cranks up the sound. Just, right. I, I don't know what kind of reverb it is or whatever, but it's just this high-pitched mechanical sound yep. that... Out in the parking lot shatters Philip's windshield when he's uh, sitting in it. Right. Now, the piece of trivia is that sound via Harold Ramis is the exact sound they used in Ghostbusters when the proton packs turned on. No fucking shit? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the greatest piece of trivia I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but, you know, I, seriously, I think of my jaw dropping right there. Like, That's awesome. Two worlds that, collide that oh. make my life complete. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> I need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so after the party, then we get we get uh, Thornton kicking it up into high gear. He's he's slipping in school, and he's going to use his business acumen to get through his classes. So right. he basically pulls his executive team into his dorm room and delegates all of his classes. Let's let's talk about English. Who yeah. does he get to write his English paper? Oh, you mean his English paper about Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah, who does he get to write his English paper about Kurt Vonnegut? Kurt Vonnegut. He gets Kurt fucking Vonnegut. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. He doesn't write a good paper. Yeah, (laughs) Diane says it sucks. (laughs) And whoever wrote it doesn't know a thing about Kurt Vonnegut. (laughs) Which leads to an amazing phone exchange between Thornton and Kurt Vonnegut. And he just cuts in, and you hear him talking to Kurt. He's on the other line. He says, and another thing, Vonnegut, I'm stopping payment on that check. <laughs> he says, what? Fuck me? Can hey, you, Kurt, can you do you read, read lips? lips? Fuck, Fuck you. <laughs> Next time, I'll call Robert Ludlum. <laughs> Which, me, when I heard that, I fucking fell on the ground laughing. I thought it was so funny. Oh, just of all things, Robert Ludlum. Do you, so. Did your mind, by any chance, go to the Simpsons episode with Hans Molman? It did not. Oh, when he walks into the airport bookstore that is called, like, Only Stephen King Works, and he goes to the door and he's like, do you have anything by Robert Ludlum? <laughs> I think it's Clancy and King is the oh, name God. of the bookstore. 
but no, it didn't. That is an obscure literary reference, timed perfectly, delivered flawlessly, and it is just a joke of all jokes right there. Well, I guess at this point, there's enough surrounding Thornton Mellon's academic actions Mm -hmm. to be called into an investigation of academic fraud. Right. And so he gets summoned into Dean Martin's office. So it's Thornton, uh, Dean Martin, and Philip. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Dean Martin tells him that he's kind of being accused of academic fraud and asks him, you know, is all of his work is his own? And he tells Dean Martin, well, I can't lie to you. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Dean Martin says, well, I'm satisfied. <laughs> Looks over to Philip. Philip says, I'm outraged. Right. <laughs> Philip proposes an oral examination mm-hmm. conducted by all of his professors uh, to prove that Thornton's work is his own. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Jason ends up giving Thornton the same pep talk that Thornton gave him in the beginning. You know, you can do anything you want. Right. You're a melon. You can do it. Don't worry. I'll do it with you. So we go into this montage of him just cramming. Right. The study montage. Study montage. With the super upbeat music. It's great. Yeah. We get to the exam, which is kind of how I picture every like upper tier private educational academy institution Mm -hmm. that has a room like this. Yes. It's just a very large wooden open room. Yes. Wood uh, everywhere. Right. One chair in the center. One chair in the center, <laughs> and then a table of all of his professors. A panel. Yeah, uh, there's a panel just... <laughs> and they're probably, what, like 20 yards away from him? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. He's just very he's, much yes. the center of attention. Mm-hmm. First up to tee off is Philip. Mm-hmm. And um, he tells Thornton he has just one question for him today. In 27 parts. Right. <laughs> So they go through the whole spiel. and uh, But when he says that, Diane has a classic eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> Thornton's rehashing it all, and he is prepared to give his answer. And what was the answer to the one question of 27 parts? The, the part 27 and subset D of section A. Four. <laughs> the answer was four. <laughs> Whatever Philip put together, the answer was four. Oh, uh, so kind of meanwhile, while the test is going on, we also have the the Grand Lakes University final dive meet. Yes. So <clears throat> I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a it's an important element that is going on. In the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jason, he's he's back to confident Jason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if there is such a thing, yeah. he's gotten the girl. He somehow managed to. So her him and Valerie, they've been in the movie they've like talked to each other like three times they're somehow in love yeah they each profess their love they kiss they hug they embrace blah 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 whatever Mm. he is a grown-up version of michael from over the top he sucks he sucks and she's kind of the female version of michael she kind of sucks too she really does she's kind of sucks yeah so you know whatever they get together they good for them yeah and it it basically gives jason the confidence to stand up and chat yes you know yep so this is going on in the background while this examination is going on. Yes. And in the examination, after Philip, uh, Diane's up. Mm-hmm. And um, Diane is interested to know that Thornton had been paying attention to their basically tutoring session uh, when they discussed Dylan Thomas's poem, uh, Don't Go Gently Into That Good Night. Mm-hmm. That poem is always brought up. It really is. It is. Yeah. Maybe we should read it someday. <laughs> oh, fuck, that poetry yeah. sucks. <laughs> Except for this one. Unless I'm getting my Longfellow straightened out. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I just truly do not like poetry, I do like Thornton Mellon's version mm-hmm. of this. 
and I <clears throat> wish I could find a sound bite, you mm -hmm. know, because it is the best dictation of a poem I've ever heard. It is actually inspirational when he says it, but he nails it. You know, he goes through the whole thing and uh, Diane's like, yes, you got it. What does that poem mean to you? And he's like, it means I don't take shit from no one. Right. And he sure is <laughs> fucked up. That's right. He doesn't. Uh, he goes he, through the whole he finishes thing. finishes the, the exam, uh -huh. and he bolts over to the dive meet mm -hmm. um, so he can make sure to see Jason diving. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Derek, he decides he's going to have a little fun in the stands, which, by the way, this is another classic example of a fringe sport mm -hmm. where there's basically <laughs> standing room only. Yes. Everybody's at the diving tournament. Yeah. <laughs> And Derek is in the crowd with Lou, right? And he asks Lou, "Have you ever seen anyone heckle a diver?" <laughs> <clears throat> so Derek decides that while the opposing divers just about to jump off a ten meter platform, he's going to blast an air horn. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has his mirror to redirect the, the sunlight. The next, the next diver. So you, you hear somebody over the loudspeaker. Please no. You know, no loud noises to distract the divers. Well, the next diver, who's for the opposing team, Derek holds a mirror to reflect the sunlight right in his eyes again as the diver's going off. Yeah, and he's sitting with Lou, and that leads me to a point. So of all of our lengthy list of possible efficiency award winners, uh, I had to go with Lou. Lou. Lou, who's even though he is in it a lot uh -huh. and not, not to take anything away from Edie McClurg or <laughs> Sam Kinison or acid wash jacket guy, uh -huh. but Lou is not in it a whole hell of a lot. And man, he fucking kicks ass. He does. So he, he wins it for me. He's my efficiency award winner for this movie. I like it. <clears throat> I'll agree with you. And that's why a testament to this movie. Cause it's really hard. To yes. Pick. It was tough. It was tough. So good. Yeah. So we see, uh, Thornton's out of his exam and he's mm -hmm. going to the diving tournament. So he's he's kind of watching and we there's a uh, uh Chaz mm -hmm. is up mm -hmm. and Chaz fucks up. Chaz does fuck up. He dives in with his legs all flailing left and right. And yeah. I don't know much I don't know much about diving, but you kind of have to go in straight. <laughs> <laughs> right. So his confidence is kind of shattered. Right. He's supposed to go up again and he fakes an injury. He does. He bitches out. He kind of bitches out during the whole movie. I mean, this I love William Zabka because he takes on roles like this, but th he's kind of a little punk in this movie. He's a little bitch. He is. He so. actually earlier when we didn't discuss it because it's not a big part of the movie. Jason uh, knocks him out. Yeah. Jason just decks Jason. Him. Jason knocks him out. of all people <laughs> decks him. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he you know, he he is supposed to be kind of the the jock and the bully in this, but mm. not so much. No. Yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah, he just he, he just fakes a cramp uh -huh. as he's walking up, you know, to the to the diving platform, and uh, then we get Coach Turnbull. He's yeah. in a jam. Yeah, he's in a pickle here. He needs a diver. He does need a diver. And uh, he's familiar with Thornton Mellon's previous diving experience because he grew up on the uh, Jersey Pier. That's right, Atlantic where Thornton City. used to dive. He and was he part saw of the water team. Thornton performed the greatest dive he'd ever seen in his life. Mm -hmm. And what was that dive called? It's the Triple Lindy. The Triple Lindy. <laughs> that will live in fame it forever. It will indeed. So he calls out Thornton from the stands. Melon, get your suit on. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going on during the dive meet. So Thornton goes in, puts on his 
1940s style swimsuit, <laughs> which is like a unitard kind of thing going on. And uh, what's great is that here comes here comes Diane. She's going to go give the grades to Thornton. She hears that he's diving. And we hear the announcer say that uh, that he's doing the triple Lindy. Yes. And Diane just picks the first person she sees. So one of the person watching the divers uh, is that hard? <laughs> it's impossible. And that guy was one of my nominees for the Efficiency <laughs> Award winner. Because without him, we would not know how difficult this dive really was. <laughs> and of course, it's a dive that clearly everybody's heard of. Oh, of course. <laughs> and it is uh, not glossed over. No. Thornton climbs to the highest springboard mm-hmm. i guess it's not a springboard it's, it's just a, a diving platform, platform. Mm-hmm. warms up by doing a couple uh hand farts in his armpits <laughs> licks his thumb to gauge which way the wind is blowing it's a very uh it's a very unorthodox pre-dive <laughs> ritual and then uh he starts off mm-hmm. so there are multiple maneuvers to this i had to break it down oh please go through it then okay so he jumps from the 10 meter platform Onto a springboard. Mm-hmm. From that springboard, he does two backflips to another springboard. Mm-hmm. From that springboard, so he's gone from the platform to a springboard. Uh-huh. He did two backflips off that springboard to a second springboard. He does one backflip to a third springboard. Uh-huh. Okay? So we've gone That's from the pl- triple. Yeah, right? And then he does a backflip on that the, the springboard that he landed on. Right. And then from there, does a front flip into the water. Yes. And executes it perfectly. And that, my friends, is the Triple Lindy. I think I'll throw in a take from our uh, guest. Our guest commentator. Our guest commentator via text. Yes, Jordan, who texted us, I think, the perfect summation of this. He says, some people say pitching the perfect game, four-minute mile, or comeback drive to win a Super Bowl are the hardest thing to do in sports. Nonsense. If you can do a triple indie, you are immortal. <laughs> <laughs> and he is fucking right. So he does the triple Lindy. He passes the class. He gets the girl. Everything is right in the world. And now we get to uh, not graduation. We just get to a commencement speech. Commencement speech. Right. Yep. And this is the first time that uh, that speech has been given by a freshman. Yes. Thornton Mellon. Yep. And um, his outgoing line which happens to be the last line in the movie is he advises uh the graduating seniors that quote as you go out into the world my advice is to don't go (laughs) move back in with your parents let them worry about it and that's the end of the movie to all you graduates as you go out into the world my advice to you is don't go it's rough out there move back with your parents let them worry about it (laughs) <laughs> and you get all the caps and gowns thrown up into the air and you uh, get a ridiculous shot of Rodney Dangerfield posing for a camera uh, waiting for them to take a photograph. Yeah. <laughs> all to Aretha Franklin's respect. Nice. Nice. So, yes, this is probably so this is our fourth episode, fifth movie. And I think this is going to be the most the most well-known movie that we've done yet. I think uh, so. I mean, every, I, Big Trouble is definitely up there. But I mean, this was like I said, this was a blockbuster success, big time. Right. So it, I, I'll close with a couple of things. <clears throat> um, one was this other little piece of trivia I found that's, and it really has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. It was more surrounding mm-hmm. movie, but mm-hmm. 
I think you'll agree, much like we talked about mm-hmm. that title slide of Robert Downey and William mm-hmm. Zabka. So I found out this bit of tibia that Billy Zabka and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, would hang out in Downey's hotel room together. Oh, my God. Where Downey would play his keyboard and Zabka would play his guitar. The two also watched movies and tried to figure out why Christopher Walken was so genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somewhere, somehow, there has got to be some audio of those meetings. I maybe when we get to heaven. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Zabka Downey files are just lining the walls of heaven. <laughs> I will also add. I think I I wanted to finish my portion with one of Jordan's takes. Okay, which I thought was pretty astute. It says uh, most kids grew up wanting to be doctors, astronauts, or engineers. I wanted to be Thornton Mellon. He was the American dream and everything good about capitalism rolled into one. He says Rocky Four was the knockout punch to end the Cold War, but back to school got the Politburo's jimmies ruffled. <laughs> so basically, the argument is back to school was the Lexington and Concord first shot to end the Cold War. Oh, it's genius. And I have to agree with him. I totally agree with him. Great take, Jordan. Um, you know, w- this movie is really, it's really a, it's basically a cinematic version of an older stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So w- who would, what would that look like now? I can't even really think, I mean, we've got a good slew of stand-up comedians right now, but there's none that are like the aging stand-up comedian that I can think of. You know, I almost absolutely know what it would be. Oh, what would it? So, obviously, the trend right now is gender reversal. Mm-hmm. It'd be Melissa McCarthy in the role of Thornton Mellon. And the role of Jason would probably be like a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would work. No, it wouldn't work. What if it was like a Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Would that work as a Thornton Mellon? Because I feel like Maybe. it's got to be someone that's, that's you know older. What Not if, to say that she's old, because I'm sure she'll be listening to this. Should it just be The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be The Rock. <laughs> do we know what's on? Do we know what's on tap for for next week? Um, I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts too. Uh, you want to just hash them out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, this is good. Maybe we'll get some feedback. Yeah. And uh, yeah, lately. Mm-hmm. I've had in my mind an important 80s persona that we haven't talked about yet, which there's a lot of, but mm-hmm. this one's been on my mind. I was thinking Bloodsport. Okay. Okay. JCVD. I mean, there's you'll find no argument for me on that <laughs> one. But for me, I don't know why, but I can't get the movie The Explorers out of my head. Really? Yes. I, we're talking old like Ethan Hawke? We're talking Ethan Hawke and River <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> So that's okay. our poll. That's our poll to our listeners. What should we do next? Bloodsport or The Explorers? And keep in mind, we're eventually going to do both. Yeah, of them. we're, we're going to do both. <laughs> it's just which one do you want to hear first? <laughs> yeah. And it's really, there's no lo- there, there's no loser in this one. No. So, because I'm excited now for both of those. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I did text you, not next one, but somewhere soon in the next few weeks. I've had a tickle from Throw Mama from the Train. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And we should also mention, since we've been talking about Billy Zabka, that YouTube's new paid show service 
is going to feature Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. which is a continuation of the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should just do the Karate Kid soon, too. That's true. And then we still have so many others to do. we got to do Roadhouse. we got to do Red Dawn, Revenge of the Nerds. We've got our Pantheon Spaceballs. We've, we've, we've got UHF. Yeah. We've got Real Genius. We've yeah. got to do Back to the Future 1 and 2. I mean, there are literally hundreds of movies. Yes. We'll be doing this until we're 70. Yes. God willing. <laughs> <laughs> so all right i think that's it i think that's a wrap that is all right well we enjoy give us some feedback on our instagram we're uh getting our social media acts together and we're trying to get to itunes as quickly as possible so hold tight and uh we'll see we'll we'll hear from you soon 